Hey guys, it's Nathan. This is episode number 86 of The Nathan Seawood Show. The Nathan Seawood Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life. Welcome to the show, guys. I hope you're having a phenomenal start to the week. For me, it's been uh, a pretty relaxed couple of weeks, actually, and it's been quite good just to spend more time reflecting and in creative mode. I had a few clients complete, had a few projects wrap up, and so I found myself with a lot of space and time. And one of my values is to not use technology, my phone, email, laptop before midday. And I've kind of been quite busy the last couple of months. I keep breaking that rule over and over again. So seeing I have a bit more space, I've tried to get back into that zone of not using technology in the morning, spending a bit more time reflecting. And the creativity that has come from that has been phenomenal. Like the last couple of weeks, I've been in such a creative zone, come up with a ton of new business ideas, and it's been super exciting. And so, it's such a reminder for me to do the simple things, just to go back to basics, you know, creating the space, meditating, uh, looking after my body, keeping off technology until the afternoon and realizing that I'm best utilized when I'm being creative, when I'm using my mind, when I'm being visionary, when I'm, you know, creating with my clients and not necessarily responding to emails, which tends to kind of, you know, make me a bit creatively impotent. So it was uh, a very good reminder and I'm going to try and stay in that zone because I've really been enjoying it, really been enjoying that that phase. So remind a few guys, check in, see if you're spending time doing the things you ought to be doing. Are you in your zone of genius? Are you spending time creating? Have a look and just double check because it's, it's so powerful if you're that type of entrepreneur. Well, I'm excited to have uh, Zion come on the show today. Zion and I have become good friends over the last few months. And let me tell you, Zion, a little more about Zion. He's the CEO of 1MT. Uh, he's the co-creator of the ROI method and the founder of Project Nuclear. Uh, he was kicked out of business school his freshman year and has since started six and seven-figure companies, two of them while still an undergrad. His company, 1MT, is currently on a mission to support one million entrepreneurs to seven figures and beyond and add a trillion dollars to the global economy. Zion, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Good to see you. Uh, where do we find you right now? I just moved to Austin, Texas. Awesome. Uh, right yeah. at the beginning of June. And whenever anyone asks me, I tell them it's for people, tacos, and barbecue. That's <laughs> yeah, very good. We had uh, Ree Perez on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he's he a super good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. He gave us the rundown on the move to Austin. Uh, where were you before that? Uh, I was living in Venice Beach for a year. And then before that, I actually grew up in New Jersey, so I lived in uh, Jersey City for two years, and living in Venice Beach was actually my first actual place that I lived outside Jersey for the first time. <laughs> wow. How was that? It was an absolutely incredible experience. You know, it's just a, culturally, it's just vastly different from Jersey, right? So uh, I think going from kind of like the New York, everything's super fast, people will get upset with you if you stand on the sidewalk to going to Venice where it still has that kind of hustle energy, but also that very like relaxed beach energy as well. And just a lot of diversity and culture. I think that's very exciting. And then of course, Austin is just, you know, also just very different from that as well. Yeah. I've been reflecting on dating. I've been doing a lot of dating in New York. You know, I've been here three months. I feel like I've been hit by a freight train, you know, just yeah. on the dating front. And I think it's quite similar to doing business here and that you have to really know what you want. Like <laughs> nobody has time. Nobody has time to wait for you to figure it out. And it's the same whether you're pitching an investor or whether you're yeah. networking with someone. It's like, who are you? Why are you here? What do you want? And it's like such a different energy, but I, I kind of like it. It's, it's what I needed at this stage of my life. It's, it's a good energetic boost. Yeah, for those of you that haven't been there, 
I think if you're needing like a, a nice shock to your system, then I think New York's a great place to be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So just give me the, the, the one minute spiel on Austin. What was the move there about? What are you feeling about it? So the biggest reason why we wanted to move is because my fiance wanted to start a family. So that was the biggest reason why we wanted to move because her dad lives here. Her sister lives three hours north in Houston. Oh, cool. Um, but, you know, I got convinced of it after I went to a mastermind earlier this year, Baby Bathwater, and, you know, a ton of the members in the room were in Austin. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I can do this. And, and since moving here, I've probably met up with more people in a month than I have in, you know, six months when I'm in Venice. Because uh, it's just easier, right? Because in Venice, you're in a little bit of a bubble because of how much traffic there is. And it's just, you know, you want to see anyone anywhere else. And it's a significant investment to do that. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's cool that it, it's, it's become a little bit of a hub for like really cool entrepreneurs. I feel like if I move there now, I'll make it uncool. Like I'm, always, <laughs> I'm, at the, I'm at the end of the wave always. <laughs> I mean, hey man, there's a, uh, love to have you. Um, I mean, the other big thing here is, you know, 0% personal income tax, right? So, oh, wow. the, so you have quite a few people doing the move from Southern California to Texas, re being one of them. Mm-hmm. And that's always been, yeah, just very, very exciting. And yeah, and I think that when people first think about like Texas, they kind of think like barren and sand and desert, like, right? At least that was my perception of it. And I never expected it to be, be so green. And there's like a lot of lakes. It's, there's a lot of greenery. Like even, you know, looking out the window here, there's like a ton of trees. Uh, so it's a very, very grounding energy as well. Cool. The um, Austin Tourism Board should be paying a little bit of... Bit of a <laughs> oh, they don't need my help, man. You know, <laughs> That's true. Money. That is true. So take us back. I mean, here's what I know about you. We, we jumped on a call a while back. Actually, when I just got to New York, I remember speaking to you when mm-hmm. I just arrived here. And uh, I, I didn't really know anything about you, but I was struck by your curiosity. I was struck by your warmth. I was struck by your commitment to making a difference and wanting to help entrepreneurs. You know, I, I think you sort of said you want to help, you know, catalyze the catalyzers in a way. The, yeah. the entrepreneurs that were trying to make a difference, you wanted to help make a difference for them. And so I was really struck by that. And then we spent uh, a couple of days together out in LA and uh, I was working with, with you and your team and I found you very intense. You know, there was a very intense part of you that was not a lot of humor, just a lot of like get the job done, which was the nature of the weekend that we were on. And so uh, that's kind of what I know about you as a guy that <laughs> very successful business, very warm, very caring, wants to make a big impact and also this kind of intensity to you as well. Is that like a, is that a good summary? Uh, I'd say so. I think, um, yeah, it's funny on that intensity piece because I think uh, I get that a lot in terms of, hey, don't be so serious and try to incorporate more play and uh, into you know how I operate. But you know, of course, that weekend we had a a big promise to deliver on and a lot that we wanted to get done. So of course, it's just you know making sure that we're driving towards the outcome and the result, which of course you know is just super super important to us. Yeah. I love that. That's the uh, the commitment to the impact. So other than that, I don't know much about your journey. So can you uh, give us the highlight package of, you know, you, how you got into business, what brings us up to modern day? Man. So this story I've been starting to talk about more publicly. It's not one that I've shared a lot in the past, mostly because I had a lot of corporate clients and I think that I was just concerned about perception and how I was going to be received. Yeah, but effectively, you know, my sophomore year, I found myself living in a house that was kind of way off campus and it was really bordering some pretty bad neighborhoods, right? And 
essentially over time just became worse and worse. And it got to the point where it just like became a crack house. And it was just, you know, there's like people with warrants going in and out of the house, every drug imaginable going in and out of the house. Not that I partake in them. It's just, that's just the environment that I found myself going into my second year of college. Was this in Jersey? This was in Jersey. Yeah. This is when I was at Rutgers when I lived in New Brunswick. So just not a great environment at all, but the saving grace and all that was, you know, one of my housemates at the time, he was a little bit older than me, you know, went to a military academy and, you know, he was very inspirational for me because he was only like two years older than me, but I felt that he was a lot wiser than I was, right? Like I had just turned 19 yet, you know, I just didn't have a lot of clarity in terms of what I wanted with my life. Like at that time, you know, I just got like my first job, right? And, you know, he used to carry around this notebook of ideas and, you know, and I was just like, what's in this notebook? And I just always wanted to know what was inside. And I just got super curious. And some of the ideas in there were, he was like, oh, I want to start a taxi company with, you know, all electric cars and then they'll get reflected in the fees, right? And then uh, one of the other ones was there's this bridge that can connect these two different parts of Maryland where he was from. And he had this whole sketch and how we want to get it done. And at the time, I was just like, how could you think so big, <laughs> right? Because to me, I was like the concept of launching a, like a, an actual like cab service, right? It's like, you know, he went to talk to the local TLCs, which are the taxi commissions. I was like, what do you mean you walked in there and had a conversation, right? So it was just this mind-expansing, mind-altering moment. But above all, you know, he just had this kind of like faith in me as well. And he's like, and you would always say things like, oh, Zion, you're this, you know, 30, 40 year old trapped in this like 19 year old body. And of course, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll be having none of that because I didn't, I had a tremendous amount of insecurities. There's not really a lot of competency built up at that point. So I didn't really have that much confidence in anything that I was doing. Yet he just, you know, very much inspired me to want to do something. Right. So I'd say that's kind of what kind of like, I guess, lit my fire in the beginning. And then what happened was that house ended up getting raided by the police. And it was like a massive scale. There was uh, six municipalities involved. They knocked down the door the night before, you know, I had a business partner when, you know, we we're selling a lot of like pot basically. And he took whatever we had left because he didn't really trust anyone else in the house, threw it at my bedside before he left to go see his parents. And next thing you know, that is actually what I got caught with, like that little amount. Right. And it was just under 50 grams, which means it wasn't a federal offense. And I went through the whole process, ended up in the jail cell. And, you know, once that door shut, I just, I still remember that feeling today, right? Where it's just that kind of like the feeling of freedom just being ripped away from you. And, you know, I looked to my cellmate at the time and who happened to be, I'm always very careful around this because the warrant was for his arrest. But of course, from a speaking from a place of responsibility, like I, played my own part for me landing there, right? So I just turned to him and said, hey man, like, you know, we're supposed to be changing the world, not here. So my new reality was very much written in because I was basically unemployable just based on my record. So once I left, I kind of had this like, you know, depression period, just kind of going back to this empty house. And so I just got elected the president of my fraternity and half of them got thrown in jail. And that's how I start off my, my, my term, right? So... <laughs> So as soon as I got out, you know, that's when I started the first business. So that's actually how I got into the whole entrepreneurship thing. Started a couple of businesses after that. But, you know, that was more of just seeing the opportunity 
knowing that there was an opportunity and really just, you know, kind of driving it home. And that business was a custom clothing business for fraternities and sororities. And man, when you run a business that does thousands and thousands of custom orders in a week, right? (laughs) You start to learn about what operational scale is not and how everything just completely breaks. And, you know, and that's where I quite frankly got my appreciation for just, you know, how do you actually run a business properly? How do you actually not suffer along the way? And, and that's probably where I've developed a lot of compassion, not only for myself, but for a lot of other entrepreneurs where, you know, it's like sometimes you don't know what you don't know. So even if, you know, people come to, you know, and I had all these mentors around me, they're asking me, Hey, uh, how can I help you? And I just didn't even know how to ask for help because that's how little I knew. So that was one of the biggest things that I still carry with me today of just, Hey, you know, sometimes the best way to help people is just like dig deep and sit with them and just excavate all their problems. Not just say, Hey, look, I'm here to help you and do whatever you want. Cause I think everyone means well by saying that, but you know, how many times have, you know, I'm sure you and other people listening to this, it's like, how many times have you had someone like, oh, I'm here to help you. And you're just kind of like, never really take them up on it, mm. right? Because how do you really dig into that conversation? How do you, how do you really ask for help? Yeah, it's too broad. Yeah. So, so that's kind of where I got my first start. That was like the first six figure business, right? We had a lot of... How old were you at that point? 19. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so I was 19, started the business with virtually no cash and you know really got that off the ground and it was it was a very exciting business because you know all of a sudden now we were expanding out to different schools and opening up different markets and we literally couldn't handle it. Like we grew so fast and that's where um, I kind of got my social media chops from cuz that was that year was when social media just got coined. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was like, oh, what's the social media thing? And that's the only reason why the business survived is because I had to learn, you know, how do you actually drive people into your world? How do you really understand um, the mechanics behind, you know, what people share? Because we relied a lot on morality at that point. Right. There's not a lot of like paid traffic. It's all it's the wild, wild west of organic. Right. And, you, you know, Facebook algorithms were very new at the time. Facebook was very new at the time. And, you know, and here we are today where, you know, it's obviously a lot more sophisticated and, you know, a lot of those learnings still apply. But, you know, since that business, you know, I've worked on that side by side with, um, you know, opened up New Jersey's largest co-working space. And that was at 21 and opened up with a couple different partners there. Um, that led to me starting one of New Jersey's largest like uh, tech meetup groups as well, where we had 100, 150 people that met on a monthly basis. And I hosted that for about two years. And that's really where I got to really grow my network and, you know, understand like what mentorship really meant and I uh, started to really appreciate mentorship. And I think it's really where I started to get a lot of my initial values of that I've carried over to today. And, you know, in between then and now, I've definitely had a lot of failed companies as well, right? Because um, there was a point where I was working 120, literally 100 to 120 hours a week, sleeping every other day doing this whole like, oh, efficiency, productivity, cold showers, whatever. And, um, you know, but really forsaking and betraying my own body for the sake of like success. Right. Mm -hmm. And I completely burned myself out and I I probably lost about a year and a half of my life after that. Right. Just not even having the awareness of burnout, not having the awareness of depression and literally having to fight my way back out 
because I lost all my confidence as an entrepreneur after that because I went to go start a third venture that failed miserably. Mm-hmm. And to this day, it's still, you know, like it barely generated. Um, I think I only was able to generate like $10,000, right? Which was to me is, you know, I do that now in, in an hour. and and literally be at months and to only be able to generate that like i literally lost all my confidence as an entrepreneur and um, how old were you at that point this is when i was 22 right so from 22 to basically like 24 i was kind of doing this thing of just like what am i doing with my life and you know eventually yeah i did a lot of random things where i launched a kickstarter to sell turkish towels and went to turkey and did that whole thing and you know, I was going to start a whole physical products business there, you know, but then eventually I settled on an agency because I got some really great insight into the fact of, okay, well, I was doing this whole like uh, search for purpose and search for meaning in life. And I think that's one of the most destructive paths that anyone could really lead, uh, lead down on. And what I realized was I just had to not, I just had to like build my skills and be ready for when I know that I really want to sink my teeth into something so I can really take it all the way. Mm. So I decided to start a digital agency just to keep on getting better at the skill and competency of digital marketing. Just so I can see a lot of different companies, see a lot of different business models, understand uh, a lot of how businesses operate. And that was my ticket into looking inside of companies that, you know, quite frankly, at the time, I had no business looking at, right? Because from that point till you know, probably like 25, even like 26, you know, I started working with like hundred million dollar, billion dollar companies where I got to like, really look at their marketing, lead their digital acquisition strategy, you know, work with their executive teams. And that's how I got my crash course, right? Like I work with a company that was like, I work with many companies that are number one in their industry, um, whether it's real estate or moving or home services or, you know, just so many industries at this point. And at one point, uh, the CMO brought me in for this company that had like 333 franchises. And, you know, he's like, okay, I just need you to audit the business and tell me how we can make more money. It's like, you know, like wow, I would have I done that for free, right? I was like, oh, but I'm getting paid to do it. So, you know, so the agency life, I think, was a double-edged sword for me because it was definitely a very soul-sucking endeavor. Mm-hmm. But I think that I always had this level of carefulness where I had to remind myself why I was doing it in the first place. And it was that kind of cyclical battle of, wow, I really hate this. Oh, but this is what's paying for my learning right now. And I, yeah, I guess you got a tremendous amount of insight into all these businesses. Oh, absolutely. I've seen you know, business models in well over 30 industries at this point, right? Wow. And um, you know, SaaS, physical products, home services, um, you know, affiliate marketing and networks. And you know, so it's just like, it's because businesses... Like, and I got a really good appreciation for business models, which of course is how you make money, right? Because there's so many different ways that you can charge for services, so many different ways that um, you can charge for product. But as long as the value exchange is there, then it's really just making sure that that's, you know, incentivized and actually aligned properly, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I'm definitely, you know, looking back at it now, you know, I'm fortunate that I've had so much experience in different industries, right? Like I've launched a publication before I've done the Kickstarter campaigns. I've, you know, so it, it's now all culminated to this point of it's like, oh yeah. And, you know, overnight we, 
Yeah. And I always joke about this, right? Because last year I was like, yeah, in one year we you know, tripled our company or whatever. But that really took me, you know, 10 years of experience to learn. Then we were able to just, you know, laser focus on uh, that growth aspect of things. Incredible story. Thank you for sharing that. A couple of things stick out. I love the idea of you being burned out at 22 <laughs> and like having a crisis, like an existential crisis and trying to figure out your purpose at 22. I got it early, man. <laughs> Like most people are just learning to wipe their ass and you're like <laughs> having your first breakdown. It's impressive. <laughs> uh, impressive is I've never considered it impressive, but I think looking back at it now, I definitely have a, a greater appreciation for why we go through it and what role it's played in my life. And, you know, I'm glad that it came early because mm. uh, that's, you know, quite often a conversation that I have with a lot of entrepreneurs now. Right, because because I believe that we don't receive any challenges that we're not ready for, and I believe that the only reason why we receive them is so that we can spot other people in them. Mm-hmm. Right, so we just have a deeper level of compassion and empathy for other people, so we can actually lift them up and we can all walk together. And I just feel like I had to have that experience so that I can serve entrepreneurs in this capacity because I know what it looks like to build businesses that are completely not aligned. And I know the very real consequences and repercussions of what that looks like, because I took it to, you know, and as many entrepreneurs do, like we take things to the extreme, see what that looks like, and then we have to pull back, right? Yeah, yeah, we're going to push the limits. Have you seen the documentary on Netflix about Avicii? The, well, it's very powerful, you know, because it's, it is a guy that joined the 27 Club, right? And, yeah. Uh, you know, killed himself. But, you know, one thing that stuck with me is a guy that was incredibly talented and then started getting into music at like 16, 17 and was clearly phenomenally talented. Yeah. Uh, but like so many teenagers that are, you know, kind of obsessive about one thing, there was just no off switch. So he didn't have any off switch. So he would just do all nighters, you know, like, like you do when you're a teenager. Yeah. And so it kind of it reminded me of your story because you just find something that's really amazing, but you haven't really learned what a boundary is. You haven't learned sure. what an off switch is. There has, there's nobody that says, hey, Zion, probably don't work, you know, 40 hours at a stretch. That's probably not going to work for you. You just, yeah. you just go and go and go. You get in the zone because you're young and enthusiastic and talented. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and that was probably the hardest lesson for me to learn is when you were mentioning this in your opening, right, of just how do you make sure that you actually take care of yourself first so that you can then think about taking care of others? Because a lot of people, you know, go on this whole thing of, okay, I know that I need to build this business so I can help a lot of people and I need to add value to a lot of people. And that's the way that I can get served. Mm. Right. And I think that's a great mindset, but I think it's actually a very dangerous mindset, right? Because that really amplifies this message of sacrifice yourself for the sake of others, and then eventually you will be taken care of. And that is just not a message that I resonate with at all. You know, like sacrifice is something that has been completely removed from our vocabulary and core values in our company, right? It's because the moment that you're sacrificing, someone else has to lose. And if someone's losing while someone else is winning, that's inevitably a unsustainable relationship, Right. And in this case, that level of sacrifice to the degree where you're neglecting yourself and essentially forsaking yourself, it puts you in a position where you may burn out. And then the worst possible thing that can happen is where you have all these people that are relying on you and then you burn out and then you can no longer serve them. Yeah, that's very irresponsible. 
Yeah, right. And if you look at it from that perspective, like, isn't that actually the most irresponsible thing that you can do? Mm. Right. And so I think that it's, um, you know, this paradigm is really challenging. And I was having a conversation with another founder, right? He doing about $5 million, raised all this money, has a team like on the front end, like looks amazing. But, you know, I was like, but he had this other part of himself that he wanted to express to the world. But, you know, he was trying to rationalize and say, okay, well, should I really be doing this? Is this the right business decision? Right. So I walked him through this whole conversation of, you know, listen, man, a better you is a better world. And when you feel that you are more and more expressed and you feel that there's more of you that you're able to give out to the world and there's more of you that you're not hiding from the world and you can show up vulnerably and authentically, right? Which of course is, you know, big buzzwords today, right? But to really do it, right? Because I feel like the the bar for vulnerability these days is so low that you share anything. It's like, whoa, right? Because there's just such a uh, discomfort there. But, you know, but ultimately what I was sharing with him is like, listen, man, you may not think this is a great decision for your business, but when you do, you realize that you're setting a different level of values for your company because as a leader, you're going to set a precedent for how everyone else is going to show up. And if you feel that you're not in a position where you can fully express yourself and really share your voice with the world, then how are you setting that tone and what's the culture that you're creating inside your company? Right. So, you know, so I think that's something that I've been, I mean, and you, you know this just from our few interactions that we've had, it's just so important for me that entrepreneurs, you know, do what they actually care for and they're energetically aligned to it. Um, I think that, you know, cause I've been reading a lot of these articles on like, Oh, why you shouldn't follow your passion or why you shouldn't do this. And, you know, I think like when you're first starting off, it's like, yeah, like following your passion is probably not the thing that actually is priority. What's priority is building your skills. But once you've done it a couple of times, been there, done that, had a couple of career shifts, and you kind of have this itch of, you know, something that you know that you want to do in the background, you should probably explore it a little bit more. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's so important. Like, I think a lot of people end up waiting until they find their purpose or waiting. Just talking to a guy today, and he's like, I don't really know what I was, what I'm passionate about. And it's like, well, that's okay. You've probably got a kind of <laughs> like a rough idea. And, what your story shows me is you were in action constantly and it was through the action you found out what you loved and what you didn't love. Like doing agency work, you're like, okay, well, I'm doing this. I'm making a lot of money, but I do not enjoy it. So yeah. it's through the action that you find out where the alignment is. Yeah, uh, like The reason I you know, brought that up in the intro was because, you know, there's been part of my business where I haven't felt that, I just haven't been enjoying it. It's felt heavy. And it's because I spend too much time in front of this laptop. I was going to say fucking laptop. Um, <laughs> spend too much time in front of this laptop, right? Instead of, you know, where I'm best is when I'm creating. And if I'm not creating, if I'm just putting all my energy into this machine in front of me, I'm not at my best. And I've been thinking a lot about this too, about what you're talking about. And, you know, Gandhi said, right, be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. And I think that's it's so deep because what he's saying is changing the world is by being the change yes if you are the change that's enough right it's like trying to figure out how to change the world it kind of makes it external it's looking outside it's looking you know what's this big huge thing i can do to change the world well the first thing you can do is make sure you're living an extraordinary life it's the greatest impact you can have yeah 
Yeah, I think, um, and I love that, right? Because a lot of people do look externally at what is it that I can do to change my environment. But, you know, again, a better you is a better world, right? And showing up as an embodied leader that really embodies everything that you want to stand for in the world. And, you know, people can see that, right? Because people can see the shifts and the pivots that you're making and see the mistakes that you're making. Because, you know, I think there's a misconception of what leadership actually is, right? And I think the biggest times that, you know, my team has ever seen me as a leader is when I make a mistake and in maybe how I treat someone on the team, how I made a decision in the business, whatever it is, but how I respond to it and then how I pivot and then how do I go from there, right? And just being able, because that process is leadership, right? And even what you were saying before around the fact that like, yes, like, you know, You shouldn't be looking for purpose. I believe that purpose definitely finds you. And, you know, the journey of life is kind of figuring out like what you like and what you don't like and just putting it into two different buckets. And I think I've just tried as many things as I can just to see, okay, well, what are the things I don't like? Right. Because I think, uh, you know, like if you and I are going to eat and I'm like, hey, bro, like, what do you want to go eat? And you're like, oh, I don't really know. But you always know what you don't want. Right. Like you'll always know what you don't want because that's the easier thing to figure out. And I went through the same thing because one day I was like, what am I? You know, I felt like a month went by where I was looking at my computer and I picked my head up and I was like, where did the month go? Right. And then I kind of laughed at myself because I was like, well, it's not like I have this crystal ball that tells me like where I'm supposed to go. Like I just got to figure it out. Right. And that's when I made that decision of let me just be the best that I can be so that once this you know, once I find or find this thing that I feel really called to, then I could just take it all the way. Right. And, you know, I believe that life and the entrepreneurial journey is a process of, you know, just building yourself to the point where, yes, you will find something that you feel deeply called to, but you have to, you will find it through action. And that's the only way. And it sounds like, I think both of us, when we're talking, we're making it sound quite simple, but this is not common practice. No. So why is it so challenging for people? Because I feel like people, I think like school has a lot to do with it. There's a lot of conditioning on how we do things, right? Like we always want to know where we want to go before we go, right? And, you know, one of my friends like said this and it just really landed with me is like, you know, the GPS doesn't start until you actually are in driving, right? And then it starts to navigate you, (laughs) right? But I feel like so many people want all the answers, and want that much clarity because it's the unknown, it's the uncertainty, and that's scary, mm. right? Because most people are not pro. Because I mean, if you think about the mental journey of an entrepreneur, right? If we if we think that you know entrepreneurship is just another sport, like we're in the sport of the the mental, you know, how we actually the mental games, right? The mindset games that we and the stories that we tell ourselves, and it's really that where we start buying into the stories because you know they sound convenient, they're they are very convenient. They're often celebrated. They're often, you know, met with really good feelings because it's like, oh man, like life is really hard. And everyone's like, oh yeah, man, like life is really hard. And, you know, like, and victim mentality in our society is like celebrated, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this positive feedback loop where you're like, oh yeah, like I totally get why you didn't do that because that's really hard. And, you know, and then you're like, so you kind of get a lot of people around you that end up reinforcing that belief, right? So, you know, I think of a lot more people just, move through life with, okay, well, if I just do this thing, I can learn something from it, then it's fine. Mm-hmm. And I think the fear of failure is so high with so many different individuals because there's an identity that people want to meet. 
And I think it actually gets worse the more successful that you get, right? Because the more, because, you know, someone like yourself with your career, like the more successful you are, there's an identity that you're holding, right? And in that identity, you don't want to do anything that threatens that identity. So if you are portraying yourself to the world as a successful person, then it becomes increasingly more difficult for you to take risks because you don't want to threaten that identity, right? And I think if more people are just like, I'm not, I'm a nobody. I'm not special. I'm just a person that's learning, just trying some things. And I struggle with this considerably. (laughs) But if I'm just like, yeah, I'm just this person that's just trying to learn through life. I'm just a student in life. I'm just a creator, right? I'm just someone that's experimenting. Then I feel like we relieve ourselves from the pressure of trying to hold up this pedestal that we're trying to put ourselves on. It's also like taking you out of the equation, like taking yourself out of the equation, which I think so much of the business is about your client, your customer, what they need, what problems you're trying to solve for them, how you can do it, how you manage your team. It really doesn't have that much to do with you. you no. know, we make ourselves so significant. Well, and that's, that's the interesting thing about business too, right? Is that you know, most business problems are personal problems, right? And it's interesting that so many people have tried to separate business from personal. And you're seeing this whole movement of, no, like you have to have this integration because, you know, of course, how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? And the way you show up in your personal life is going to bleed into the business, right? And, and that's probably the most difficult lesson that I had to learn last year was, you know, anytime that, you know, my partner and I got into like an argument, right? And I wasn't being clear in my communication or whatever it was, right? Then I have this moment of like, oh, you know, because... I was like, this is also happening in the business. People just aren't telling me it's happening, right? So, you know, so you just have this like multi-million dollar mirror that are all these people in your business that are constantly being like, this is all you, right? You're responsible for all this. And, you know, and the business is a manifestation of like, you know, your weaknesses and shortcomings and it's whether or not you want to acknowledge it, right? And to your point, you know, back to just to bring this full circle, it's, are we willing to take that responsibility and say, yeah, it is my, it is my responsibility. I am the reason why these problems exist. And can we actually be the change that we want to become? Right. And, you know, and that's probably like the biggest, the second biggest lesson I learned is, you know, whatever it is that we feel that we are seeking from others, like just checking in. Okay. Well, am I actually giving this to other people as well? Right. So if I'm seeking to be understood, am I in fact trying to understand I'm seeking compassion. Am I in fact giving the compassion as well? And you know, when you're in it, it's just so hard to oh, do. That, right? So, then <laughs> you're trying to run a business on top, on top of it. Yeah, you're just like, oh my god, why can't they just understand? <laughs> like, like, I wish they would just, you know, you know, just see it my way, whatever. And when you're yeah. in it, like, you know, it's really hard to to rip yourself out. And then, especially again, if you share that with a friend, they're like yeah, like that person's so messed up. Like they should totally be doing this, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, again, it's that, that victim versus responsibility. Yeah. And this, the, the, that business, I guess I still have a lot of insecurities around, you know, business and my business. So anytime I get any feedback, it like, it hits me because I'm already feeling a little bit insecure. I'm already out on the skinny branches on the tree. I'm already like pushing myself to the limit. So when I get some feedback, it's like, oh, so painful. And I can get very defensive about it. Probably not so much anymore i don't think but it certainly was a trade of mine and so again like make yourself less significant and go yeah thank you 
I don't know how I show up as a leader and, unless you reflect it to me. So yeah. having to be constantly open and say, hey, yeah, that's great. Please keep it coming back to me as part of the, the process. Yeah, and that's probably the most difficult part of the process is how much are you willing to step up to that? <laughs> right? How much are you willing to step up to the things that you don't want to see, the things that you don't want to look at? Because you know the triggers and what comes up and the, the shortcomings, like those are the reasons why the business isn't growing, right? And to be able to face that head on and to actually acknowledge that it is in fact you that needs to change first, it's a tough pill to swallow, man, right? <laughs> what are the three biggest mindsets you see for people transitioning into entrepreneurship? So there's a lot of people watching here that are either just about to go into business or a, a year into business. Or maybe they've got a business and there's some blind spots. But what do you see like are the biggest mindsets that people miss? So if we start from the fundamental core, and this is actually one of our initial conversations is this actually comes from a really great place and from a great level of care and compassion. And it's the right reason why you should go into a business is you want to help as many people as you can. I think the mistake that people go into is that they help as many people as they can. Mm. And what I mean by that is it's, you know, most people have this kind of like fear of loss, like this loss aversion of, okay, well, if I nail down the one type of person I'm supposed to be working with and solve that problem really well for that one person, then there's the other nine people I can't serve. You know, that's where this is so paradoxical, right? Is It's not about the nine you can't serve. It's the million other people like that one person. But now you can solve that problem really, really well for them. But that's the number one reason why companies don't grow is that they're not super clear on who it is that they want to serve, the problem that they want to serve, uh, that they want to actually you know, help them with, and then the outcome of the solution that's tied to that problem, right? Because operationally, marketing, sales, messaging-wise, like everything gets rolled up to that. And that's honestly one of the biggest secrets to growth and growing a business in the first place is, can you really make that decision, right? You know, so I'd say that's the biggest mind. That's probably like the number one business block. That's not just for people starting off. That's, you know, playing like six figure entrepreneurs, seven figure entrepreneurs, right? Um, it seems like one of those ones too, where uh, people can get stuck trying to figure it out before they've tried it. So, yeah. I mean, this would be my advice, but I'm keen to hear your, your answer sure. as well. But again, being in action and it's okay to try lots of different things or try and solve lots of different problems, but just don't get stuck in that mindset that you're talking about. Yes. Because or else you, you don't know what problems you can solve. You don't know what problems are out there. Correct. Yeah, I think when you're first starting off, you should just try as many things as possible and help as many people as you can. But then I think it's important to take inventory of, well, who are the people you don't like working with and why? And what are the things you don't like doing and why? And starting to just start saying no to those things. And that's the other, probably like the second thing is like, you know, there's, um, there's a scarcity mindset to that, right? Of, if I say no, then it's actually going to close me off from getting that business. And you know, then when am I going to see the next thing? Instead of the aspect of, well, when you say no, you keep that space open for the right person to come in where you know, you're super aligned with them. So I would say that's probably the first thing of people just starting off, right? It's just like, don't plan, just go out there, launch, sell to whoever, do something for them, learn from it, iterate, and do that as quickly as possible. Because that's how I launched the agency was I was just like, let me just make my first $1,000. I'm just going to you know, do this as quickly as possible. I was starting off with this like product that was you know, $99 a month. And I was like, I'm just going to get my first 10 people through the door. right? But it's like, who are they? 
right? Yeah, but who are those 10 people? And it's just like having those conversations one right after another and just saying, great, like now this person's a good fit. This person's not a good fit and here's why. So I think it's just going out there as quickly as possible and you know, not necessarily having a plan every step of the way. Because Reed Hoffman is the one that said, hey, if you're not embarrassed by you know, your prototype, you're probably launching too late. Right. And, you know, and I'm a big believer of go out there, launch the product and then just serve the serve the people really well. Right. Like that's that is still an inevitable part of this equation is you still have to make sure that everyone's taken care of and that you're doing good by them. But it's, you know, launching without a plan is not an excuse for not taking care of people. Yeah. And I'd say that's probably like the second mindset thing. Right. It's just like people wait too long. It's Mm -hmm. like. Go out there because your opinion doesn't actually matter as much as you think when you're first starting off. Like the market will dictate what's right and what's wrong for you, what makes money and what doesn't, and what's true and what's not true. Otherwise, everything is a hypothesis, but it's super easy when you're first starting off. It's just like, hey, let me just plan everything because I know all the answers, but you don't. And you have to kind of go into it, go into it with the assumption that everything is a guess. And everything is a hypothesis until it's not. And this is the third thing. Going into the third thing is you have to get paid for it, right? Like I never care for feedback from people who aren't giving me the dollar. Because why would I care for feedback from someone that's not my customer? Mm. It's irrelevant, right? And that goes to this really amazing adage of, you know, if you want feedback, ask for money. And if you want money, ask for feedback. And that's what I did. I just went... Out to be, and this is what we teach also, right? It's like, just go out, get the feedback on the product. So, cause then people put their guard down. You can ask as many questions as you want. It's like, oh, and then eventually they're like, wow, this actually sounds like something I would like that mm-hmm. I would like to get into. Right. So it's really just getting out there and asking for feedback on what it is that you have, but trying to sell it as soon as possible. Because I feel like a lot of people when they first launch, like, oh, I, had my mom and my dad and my sister all tell me it was a great idea. So I'm just going to keep moving forward with it. Right. But it's like, well, but how many of them actually put money in your pocket? Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. This is, this is, uh, I've always found this one challenging because I've often gone into markets where I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trained, probably like you with the agency. Yeah. And so I get uh, a little bit hesitant. You know, I've talked to you before about having imposter syndrome or like sure. wanting to, um, you know, kind of not feeling good enough about myself or not confident to go into those situations. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Some of the advice you give around that imposter syndrome or knowing when to get out there. Yeah. So I think there's two very foundational reasons why imposter syndrome comes up. I think the first reason is because you're actually not qualified to do it. (laughs) And so it's less of imposter syndrome. It's more like, yeah, like you're just not qualified to actually do it. Right. And then you have a whole other subsect of people where you know, as entrepreneurs, it's our job to cast cast our vision and travel into the future and to live in that future and to really see super clearly what that future looks like. And then we start to compare what that future looks like because we come back to our present day and then all we see is the gap. And in that gap is where I believe imposter syndrome sets in more than anything is because we know what it's supposed to look like, but we know we're not there yet. But if we start to reframe that, and start to say, hey, you know what? This is actually just our job to do that. It's our job to recognize and acknowledge that the gap exists and to know, yes, it will take time to get there. Then, you know, it'll be so much easier on all of us, right? But let's just take the scenario where you're not necessarily the person that's competent to deliver on the service. Like entrepreneurship 
literally like the best entrepreneurs in the world are the ones that find the opportunity and then find the right people to solve that problem with them. And a lot of people think about the how instead of thinking about the who. Like who can actually help me solve this problem instead of me trying to figure out how do I actually solve this problem, right? Like when Elon Musk first started, you know, building Tesla, it's not like he knew how to build a car. When he first launched SpaceX, like he never knew how to build a rocket ship. Yet, he's the visionary behind these two companies, right? And when I when I first started the agency, I sold my first six-figure contract where we're managing probably like $30,000 in ad spend a month in AdWords. And I had never logged into the platform before, <laughs> right? But what I did was I found someone who was really, really good at it, and then they delivered on it. And that's how I learned, right? So I think that in the beginning, it's really just being very honest with yourself and saying, okay, well, are you actually the person that's the expert at what this is or not? If the answer is yes, then get over it and you know, just kind of be like, hey, I watched this really funny video where the entrepreneur is saying that imposter syndrome means that you're just very privileged and it's a privileged position, right? Yeah. And it takes a lot of privilege to feel the imposter syndrome <laughs> because that means you probably have a lot of your shit together in order for you to feel that level of privilege. So the way to get out of it is just be like, hey, check your privilege at the door and just, you know, go serve the other people on the other side. Oh, so true. Yeah. So, you know, so I'd say like those are like the the ways that I've gotten over. It's like, and I've probably given myself a lot more grace now because if I don't know how to do anything, right, I'm super fine with it. I think the best day of my life as an entrepreneur was when I realized that I didn't actually know, I didn't actually have to know how to do anything, right? My job as an entrepreneur is to find the people that do mm. and you know, and then get them to enroll them into the vision of what we want to do. And then we all work on this together. Right. And if more entrepreneurs, and that's truly when you're, you're an entrepreneur, otherwise you're, you know, you're a solopreneur, you're a small business. Yeah. You're a freelance, you're a consultant, right? And there's a lot of people out there that don't have businesses. They're not entrepreneurs. They never work with a team and it's really, really uh, disheartening. But the only way to you know, truly step into that path is, hey, like get shit off your plate so that you're doing more and more of what's in your zone of genius and get outside the zone of incompetence because that also leads to burnout, right? It's like getting up and doing the same thing every single day that you're not very good at or the things that drain your energy, like that is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, yeah. So much of what we're talking about is self-awareness, radical honesty and, you know, vulnerability and then learning to ask for help whether it's through a coach, yeah. whether it's just learning to ask for help from the right people to come onto your team. What's the question you want me to ask that I have not asked? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that it's not so much the question, but I think it's really great that this is where the conversation landed because I think the thing that I care the most for in the world right now in getting more and more clear about, you know, what is the change that I want to see in the world and what's the change that I want to be and really looking at people's relationship to their work, right? Because if we look at the fact that, well, at least I think it's a fact, right? This is obviously my opinion. But my opinion is that as a human species, we have a finite amount of energy that we're all tapping into, right? So let's just say that this is the bank account. There's 100 units and, you know, Nathan uses 20 of those units every day. I use another 20 of those units every day. And, you know, Holly here, you know, takes another 20 units and it's like, great. Then eventually everyone is using some part of that energy. Yet 
when you and me, when we look at what we're actually doing, a lot of us are actually solving the same problem over and over again. And what if we had a platform where we stop solving that same problem over again? And we're just like, great, let's start with the best because that's actually what drives innovation. Innovation literally means start with the best and then make it better. (laughs) And I don't think as entrepreneurs, we do that enough. And I truly believe, and on the other side of that, I truly believe that when we think about our relationship to our work, it's probably, in my opinion, the number one reason why things like depression exist is because you know, we have a misalignment of our own personal values, right? Where we're forsaking ourselves, where we're not necessarily taking ourselves into consideration, where we're not doing the thing that really lights us up. We're doing, we keep on leaning into this heaviness and we carry that heaviness with us wherever we go. And for me, I'm really wanting to solve for that problem because what if everyone started to operate in this space where they actually have the skill for whatever it is that they want to do. They can get paid to do whatever it is that that is, but they're actually really happy to do that work, right? Or they're really passionate. They're really aligned with it. And I believe that if we get more and more aligned to that aspect and really sit in the intersection of those three circles, then the world will absolutely be a better place. Because I think right now, a lot of people have jobs, right? Where, you know, they're good at what they do, hopefully, right? And they found a place where they can do it, but they don't care for it at all. So are you really going to get the best of that person? And the answer is no, right? And as a human civilization, like I would love for us to be able to unlock all of these gifts that everyone has. And the Dalai Lama says this best. He's like, if you think I'm special, that means everyone else is special. There's 7.7 billion people on the planet and you and I are on a call together. And the way I see that is it also means that there's 7.7 billion gifts that are waiting to be unlocked for the purpose of serving the world. And if we can really start to tune into that and start to look at, great, then what is the unique thing that each of us actually bring to the table? And we can really start sitting in that space. and We can all start to operate from that space. Yeah, I think the world will just be a better place, right? And that's ultimately, you know, kind of like new vision that I'm really rolling with with the company of, you know, I don't want to help entrepreneurs launch businesses that they don't care for. I don't want people to work inside companies that they don't want to work inside of. Like there's this paradigm of a genius with a a thousand helpers. And I think that we're going to move towards a world where people can really start to align themselves to a mission of something that they deeply care about, of the change that they want to see in the world. So it's their belief that they already hold. It's not one that's instilled in them. It's one that they've already had. And then they find the entrepreneur or another person who's already acting on that belief and acting on that new mission they want to see in the world and, you know, solving that problem together. Right. So then it's not about me helping you build your business. It's me actually living out my own purpose because I get to do it with the business that, you know, you're already operating. Right. And I think that's where we get the, I think that's the opportunity for the most significant paradigm shift of our relationship to our work, how we choose the types of companies we work with, how we choose the companies that we work for and, hey, let's, let's not reinvent the wheel. If someone's already solving that problem really, really well, just go do it with them, right? And, and figure out a way to you know, join forces and to really make it work. I love that. It's um, a beautiful message and it brings up a lot for me. One of my good friends is working on the future of work yeah. and trying to solve this kind of in a post-AI world you know, when so many of those jobs are going to disappear. How do we, what does work look like? 
is work necessary? And she was like, yeah, work is always going to be necessary. People are always going to want to express themselves through work. And so there's an opportunity for a paradigm shift. Right. Yeah. Um, And then another another person I heard say, um, we always talk about world peace as like the goal. But like once we get to world peace, what could be created from there? Right. It's just the starting point. Right. Of so much more. Yeah. No, I love that. And, you know, and I fundamentally, um, you know, I don't want to open the box of AI, but that's ultimately what it comes down to is, you know, there is this delta of what only humans are capable of doing. And where AI comes in, I believe that it's going to allow us to be, you know, even more human than we ever have. And what if we can create a world where people can actually experience themselves in a way that they never thought was even possible? I think that's what is just ridiculously exciting. Yeah, so exciting. Um, so um, where can people find you? Who are you looking for and how can they find you? So I think the easiest way to find me right now is definitely on Facebook. Um, just look me up, Zion Kim. And you know anyone that wants some support really working on their business, whether you're a coaching business or uh, whether you're you know, 2 to $3 million in revenue and you have a ton of people, a uh, lot of team that you need support with, you know, we've helped pretty much end to end. Right, design, launch, and deliver your high ticket program. Help you market your program. Help to build your team and help to actually grow it. So, any type of support that you need, any way that I can help you, uh, definitely feel free to reach out. Awesome. Last questions before we finish. What is your dark side, and how do you embrace that part of you? My dark side. I would say the biggest thing for me is when I start to. I guess it's really like the imposter syndrome. I think is my dark side. It's when I, you know, start to kind of feed into like my own stories around what it is that I cannot, cannot do. And, you know, that's just such a significant disservice, not only to myself, but to all the people that I can serve. Right. And, um, and I think it's so easy to get there. Right. And it's needing constant reminder as well. Cause you know, the other day it's like, wow, like, you know, we helped, we work with a few hundred companies last year. And that ended up creating quite a bit of ripple and impact for all the people that they served and all the people that they served. And, um, and I had to really sit down and think about that because I was just like really beating myself up one day because I was like, oh, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, whatever. And, you know, and um, so I would say that's probably the biggest thing for me is just being very kind to myself and just reminding myself like, it's like, hey, you actually do have a lot of these competencies and these skills and don't forget it. And sometimes it takes me to be surrounded by a ton of entrepreneurs reflect that back to me, right? And it's on a natural state. Yeah. And I think that if I can just continue to stay in that state and be my own reminder for it, then, you know, then I don't have to slip into that. But what happens when you're in that state? Is it anxiety? Is it drinking alcohol? Is it you get angry or withdrawn? I think a lot of fear comes up and then doubt comes up and I think anxiety naturally comes up as well. And it just becomes this like, conversation thread and loop inside my mind and yeah and then i will want to go into numbing right so then i'll want to drink i'll want to smoke i'll want to do anything to not have to face what it is that i'm experiencing Mm. and you know and that emotionality of what it is that i'm feeling in each of those moments is the opportunity for growth and there are times where i feel that i'm so scared to actually face that and to look at it and to be with it, to be with myself, you know, in it, right? And to subsequently give myself some grace in that period. But I think sitting in that is, you know, at least been the most difficult thing for me. It's the thing that I've been working on the most as well. 
Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. Because it's um, it's a vulnerable thing to share, and it's always nice to like have some humanness, you know, especially from people that are doing amazing things. So thank you for sharing that with us. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I've hey man, I've seen it with so many people, right? And like I regularly coach entrepreneurs in you know fifteen million, thirty million, sixty million dollar companies, and and it's a common thread with all of us, right? Because on this journey, there are things that we're not good at, and we let it. You know, we let it eat at us instead of feeling really empowered in that state of like, oh, great. I don't actually have to know how to do this. I just have to enroll people to get that support. Yeah, totally. And it's like you say, we live in the gap. So it doesn't matter what how big your company is. We're all living in a gap between where we're at and what's yes. possible. So thanks for everything you do. Thanks for the amazing work you do. Thanks for all the support you've given me. And uh, can't wait to see what you're creating next. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, guys, thanks for watching. Great to have you here. Uh, if you uh, enjoyed this either now or uh, later, share it around, give it a like, give it a comment. Zion's tagged in the Facebook post, so go and add him as a friend and drop him a message. And thanks as always for watching. I'll be back uh, next week with episode number 87 of the Nathan Seward Show. That was The Nathan Seward Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life.